now, friends. Welcome to the In the Whisper podcast. I'm your host, Nita Wilkinson. We all know that life is just plain hard sometimes. Join me each week as I talk to a girlfriend about their journey of overcoming and how it always leads back to Jesus. Today, my guest is Rachel Britton. She lives in New York City, where I would like to go one day. That is on my bucket list to see New York City. Rachel is the author of 24 Days to Feel Connected and Cared For. She also has, her website is Praying Naturally, and she is just a prayer warrior. And so we're going to talk about all of those things today. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you, Nita. It's great to be here. It's great to have you here. You were born in England. Start telling us about your story of waiting to get where you wanted to be. Yes, that's right. I was born and grew up in England. I was living in London and actually following a career in newspaper and magazine publishing. My husband and I were married, obviously, and we were looking for our perfect house to buy. And we spent one whole year uh, looking for it in the suburb of London where we wanted to live. We got the keys. A few months later, I decided that I could take a break from my career. I was working for the BBC, that I could take a break and start the family. I got pregnant. You know, usually I'm one for adventure. Right. As soon as I was pregnant, <laughs> those, those nesting instincts kicked in. At the same time, I told my husband, actually, he was over here in the States, in Massachusetts, and he called me with his big news was that he'd been offered a job here. My big news for him was that we were expecting our first baby. And of course, wow. when he... When he yeah. That is a very big moment. <laughs> it was. Yeah. And he told me that news and I just thought, I don't want to move. <laughs> and so I was really hoping that his work visa wouldn't come through, you know, because that's what I was hoping. I had all my plans sorted out. Six weeks after our baby was born, we were on a flight to Boston with our one-way tickets and all our furniture was packed up and uh, being shipped across the Atlantic. So, yeah, it was big. I have a blog that you wrote, actually, about that. And um, I can picture in my mind just exactly what it looked like when y'all were sitting in that airport with all your stuff. But I do want to read a little bit of it to show just, I think the second paragraph of, of that blog speaks to just how much you loved this home that you had waited a year to find and thought you were going to be there a while. Blue wisteria flowers hung over the doorway, forming a fragrant arch to our front door. My dream of a house covered with a well-established vine cascading with flowers had come true. A stunning checkered mosaic of small black and white tiles covered the narrow hallway floor, so typical of the Victorian and Edwardian era, fulfilling my love for this era. We are now proud owners of a delightful Edwardian house in a desirable London neighborhood, famous for the residence of Maggie Thatcher. I could just feel how much you loved that home in that paragraph. And then later when you were in the airport, it did not have that same warm and friendly feeling <laughs> that that paragraph had. So you went to Boston and tell me about that time. Well, uh, I can tell you when we landed, I thought I've never seen so many trees in my whole life. <laughs> yeah, Isn't that London. interesting? <laughs> yeah. The other thing was it was April that, we, well, April's just passed, it's 26 years ago. 
Um, but the other thing about the trees was that they had no leaves on them. Spring oh, comes yeah. earlier in Britain. Yeah. The trees were in blossom, the leaves were coming out. So that was my first big shock. But, you know, my life had completely changed. Right. I'd, I'd gone from a career girl to a stay-at-home mum. I didn't have a, a work visa. I had a great social life in London. That's mm-hmm. what I loved about it. And I didn't know anybody in Boston. My husband also was traveling a lot with his job all over the state. I had to, you know, stay on my own or I went with him. So I was just in hotel room after hotel room. Oh, my. Um, It was really hard. And it wasn't until somebody was talking about depression that I realized that, you know, such a big move like that, with all those life changes that, you know, I really needed to get some help, which I I went ahead and, and did. I got some treatment. I went through therapy, and I was on medication for a while. And I think that's so important because it does make a difference. And that was a lot of life change in a very short time. And you thought that you were settling into one way of life. And in one phone call, everything changed. Literally everything changed for you. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. But, you know, after a few months of living here, I sat on the bedroom floor of our, you know, rented apartment. I, I really didn't know how to go on. That's when I remembered God. And I prayed three words to him, God help me. And I felt this peace come over me. Oh. Uh, I knew he'd heard my prayer. I mean, I hadn't spoken to him. I was brought up in a Christian home. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a Christian, but I'd slowly slipped away from him with my life in London. And I, I realized a lot later that... You know, God had thwarted my own plans, and his plan was for me were better. His plans were to bring me back to him. And it was like all those distractions that I had in England, my job, my friends, all of that life had stopped me seeing God, and with them gone, I could then see him standing there saying, will you now take notice of me? So, yeah. He does that a lot, doesn't he? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was painful. I wish I'd learned it. Yeah. Away. I, uh, yeah, I understand that. I love that. First of all, your first, your first three words to him were God help me. And that you, that he answered you immediately, but he never left you. He was just waiting for you to cry out and just three words. It didn't have to be a long and eloquent prayer just the three words that were overwhelming your heart. And he answered you with with some semblance of peace. I love that. Yeah. I do think it's amazing that, you know, our prayers don't have to be long. They don't have to be eloquent. They just have to be from the the heart. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So it then sounds like, you know, things were perfect for me in, in living in the Boston area, but they weren't. Still found it very hard. I wanted to... I moved back to England. I mean, there were very many good things that I had there. I had a friend living next door who was from New Zealand who had a baby of exactly the same age. He was born five days earlier than my daughter, Phoebe. So she'd moved to the U.S., same situation with a new baby. And we found a great church with a very good mum's group. We lived in Lexington, Massachusetts, which is the home to the American Revolution, which I think, well, 
you know, God's got a sense of humour to put a British person. <laughs> that, that, yeah. is, that is ironic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that. <laughs> because the reason we'd chosen to live there was because it looks similar to an English village. Isn't that so, interesting? So there were there were lots of good things going on, but, you know, I just had this deep desire to move back to England because, you know, I missed my family. And sure. I, I bought that little house with the wisteria yeah. on it, and I wanted my children to grow up, you know, with the British tradition and heritage and to go to a British school and have sure. an Eng- English accent. <laughs> <laughs> By then, as well, we decided to have a second baby because we thought we know what we're doing now. And uh, <laughs> we, we, we had twins. So that, that surprise! Yeah. <laughs> Big surprise. You thought you knew what you were doing. Now you got to do it twice at yeah. the same time. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Yeah, so a long t- for a long time, for many years that we were living there, which was nearly twenty, my prayers were persistently to God that I wanted I wanted to move back to the the UK. I definitely expressed my you know, my doubts to God. I think when we're we're in that waiting room waiting for God to answer that one of them the main problems we have is that we doubt God. Yeah. And we also doubt ourselves too. Mm-hmm. But I do think that we can be honest with him about how we feel. Even if sometimes you know, we're being not childlike, but childish. It's not fair that so-and-so is getting this or their prayer answered. Or as it was for me there, I had other friends who moved into Lexington and then they would leave. And so my prayer would be, it's not fair that she can leave, but I have to say, yeah. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Which it's what was on your heart. And I think that's important. God knows what's on our heart anyway. So we may as well be honest with him, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But I think at the same time as asking God to fulfill my desire, I knew that I really didn't want to live outside what he wanted for me. And he, you know, God knows all about us. So he knew that deep down too. You know, and that's a struggle. You know, I think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when mm. he had to pray, not my will, but your will. Um, that was a very human thing that he was going through. And, you know, and Jesus had an angel come to strengthen him. So I, I had to take that brave step and say to God, you know, if you don't want me to move back to England, then please take that desire away from me that I want to move. But that, yeah. was, that was hard to do. Yeah. But eventually I managed to do it because I thought, well, if he if he's faithful to me, which he is, then he will take that desire away. Yeah. And he'll give me the strength to continue living in the U.S. I think that's amazing that you were brave enough to make that prayer because that takes the whole child part out and truly gives him that this is yours i'm totally giving it up to you to do as you see fit yeah that's very uh, brave and courageous it took a long time like I said, yeah um, that. that's okay though friends can i just say how courageous i think that rachel is in her willingness to give it truly give it to god 
we all know we're supposed to do that, but to do it and something so important, she wanted to go home to England and she was willing to say to God, not my will, but yours be done. I love how she came back to Jesus with a simple prayer of God, help me. It wasn't anything fancy. It was her heart. And that's what started this amazing prayer journey that Rachel has had. And now I consider her to be a beautiful prayer warrior. We'll find out more about what she was fulfilled with when she truly gave her will over to God's will after we talk a little bit about Gifts with Grace. Gifts with Grace is a ministry that empowers women through faith, encouragement, compassion, and education so these women can grow personally and spiritually to overcome trauma. We connect caring mentors with women who need that encouragement and support so that they can go on and have the life that they want and the life that they desire with Jesus. We do that through Bible study, fellowship, creating, and education. Now back to Rachel's story. What did he give you that fulfilled you? So we did eventually get to move. <laughs> um, when our three children had finished um, school, mm-hmm. we, got to, we got to move to New York City, to Manhattan. And that's where, where we're living now. You know, as soon as we moved here, I hadn't, I'd been to New York a few times, but not uh-huh. very much. I wasn't sure how much I would like it, but I'd been here a week or two and I suddenly realized that I was home, home in the U.S. Um, I realized that, you know, I loved London, that I was a, a city girl rather than a suburban girl. And now when people say to me, you know, do you think you'll move back to the U.K.? Quite surprisingly, I can say I, I don't know and I don't really have that desire anymore, which which is wonderful. Right. He did. He did answer your prayer for you, which is wonderful. So tell me, how long was your waiting room? Because your kids were little and they were older yeah. when you moved to New York City. So, yes, we moved to New England when my daughter was six years old. Um, I'm trying to think exactly how many years, but we must have been there 20, just over 20 years. So that was really my waiting room. Yeah. Those 20 years. And within two weeks of moving to New York, you knew you were home. That's right. Yeah, I think, yeah. That's Definitely awesome. The first time I felt at home in, in the U.S. So, you know, God's amazing. Yes. What he can do. Yes, he is. So we were talking before we went on the podcast. Now your boys are actually um, in school in England. Tell me what yeah. you, tell them what you told me. <laughs> the irony. So that's the, the twist um, to this story is that my twin boys both decided to, well, both ended up going to university in the UK and now they both have jobs there. You know, my first question to God is, well, well, why? Why has this <laughs> happened? <laughs> now I'm here and they're there. <laughs> Maybe they'll come back with your accent, though. Maybe they'll get the accent you wanted them to have. <laughs> Because <laughs> it is, it, it is in them. Oh gosh, yeah, that's right. God has yeah. a f- sense of humor, doesn't he? <laughs> he certainly does. But you know, this time, I think from those years of waiting and persistently asking God to answer my prayer, that this time I want to do it differently with God, and instead of doubting Him, 
I want to trust him instead of whining and complaining because I did spend a lot of time whining and complaining. I don't want to waste that time. You know, I call those years like my wilderness years. I was like the children of Israel wandering around in the desert. I I don't want to do that anymore. I want to be thankful and look for the good things that are going on. You know, I want I want to make the most of where we are and at the verse in Ephesians which says make does it say make the most of every opportunity and I believe that's how how God wants us to live and that's what I want I want to do for him. And then I think I want to rest instead of stress. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I think about um Psalm twenty three which talks about how God will restore us and how he is actually with us through those that dark valley that we're going through, but he, he doesn't deserve us himself to carry us. And you felt that even in the waiting room? I don't think I felt it before. Mm-hmm. I am, but I do feel it now. Okay. Or it's I know it now. Right. I know that God's there. And I think also it's important to keep our eyes fixed on his his promises too right and we can keep him to his promises yes yeah that's that's the one thing you know as humans we disappoint and we are disappointed but god always keeps his promises he is who he says he is and we can count on that when no matter how hard we try to be good or how much People try to be good for us. We're still human and we still fall a little bit short, but he never does. Yeah, that's right. Tell me a little bit. You said you wrote 24 days to feel connected and cared for for the pandemic. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I just think one of the, this is a little booklet. Mm-hmm. One of the things I realized, you know, during, during the pandemic is so hard to be alone, mm-hmm. but, but we don't need to feel we are alone. So. This little booklet has some prayer toolkits in it, four prayer toolkits, and there's a Bible verse, an encouraging Bible verse for each day. One of them is be at peace, to help us be at peace. The other one is to have hope, to have confidence, to be reassured. So each day there's a a kind of little prompt, you know, what's God saying to me today? Jeremiah 29, 11, I have it all planned out plans to take care of you, not abandon you, plans to give you a future and a hope. Included in that is some uh, practical tips too. So practical ideas for looking after yourself and then also practical ideas for looking after other people. So, you know, a neighbor, a friend, a family member. And I think actually all of these, uh, you know, practical tips, even though you know, our restrictions are lifting mm-hmm. from the pandemic, that we can, we can still put them into practice. I think so too. And as I'm listening to you talk about this, I work in aging services and isolation is a huge fear for people that are elder and, and might be widowed or, you know, living alone. And I'm sitting here thinking, I need to order this book because I want to see if it's something I should have on hand for some of our elders who don't have the visitors that they used to have when they were younger. So I think that there is a lot for it, actually, to a lot of people that could still very much connect with it. Even though it's for the pandemic, there are still people that are isolated and could benefit from it. So tell me about your 60-day prayer challenge. 
I love this idea and I would love to hear more about it. A while ago, I asked my readers what was their biggest struggle with prayer. And I got, I was overwhelmed with responses, uh, but most of them were very similar. And that was that, you know, they have a hard time focusing or knowing what, what words to say, how to pray, being consistent, having a regular prayer time. Right. It takes, well, I think the experts say it takes, you know, 30 plus days mm-hmm. to cre- create a habit. Right. So I really wanted to provide prayer prompts with fill in the blanks so women, so people can pray easily, make it personal, but also have words that they can use so they're not, you know, thinking, what should I say? I love that. I absolutely love that. What? What a wonderful blessing for people who want to pray and want to deepen. And so you're basically walking them through and they grow closer and closer. And so at the end of the 60 days, they hopefully should be able to have their own time and and maybe not need the prompts. Yeah. I love that. And that can be found on Rachel's um, webpage. So if you're interested in joining her in that, that is still available to you. And also she has four simple steps for prayer. And I think you were kind of talking about that, being realistic, setting up a time, sharing your goals and celebrating. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, that's really related to all of being regular in your prayer life. Right. Um, and so th- this is just a little giveaway for people who sign up. It just gives four very easy steps, but also very practical steps on 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 praying i mean such things as finding maybe a corner in your house yeah where you can you know when you walk past you remember that that's, this is the place where i'm going to pray or for my for myself what i did for a long time when we lived up in massachusetts it's a bit harder here in the new york city but i would put on my fitness gear in the morning and that was my cue for me, my trigger that I would go to the track in the town and I would walk and pray because I, you know, I wanted to exercise plus I wanted to pray. Uh-huh. But find find time for both. You know, when when we're busy women, right. it can be difficult. Yes. So, and I knew that as soon as my foot hit the track, then this was my time to pray. So that little leaflet that I'm I'm giving away, you know, gives those kind of ideas. Yes, and that will be in the show notes as well. That yes. would be great. Share that so that people can get it. I'm very curious about your time at the BBC. Tell me a little bit about that because I think that sounds very exciting. <laughs> I helped the magazines for the BBC move over from traditional typesetting to actually doing everything in-house. Mm-hmm. Um, so doing the... Well, nowadays it's just kind of accepted that, you know, you do all your writing on the computer and then you do all the layout as well. Right. I, I helped them make that um, transition. So oh, wow. I, I worked with an, for a number of the, um, the magazines and their editorial teams. Right. And uh, I'll tell you one funny story. I just started working for them and there was a, all of the magazines were based on TV programs, a, a TV show called Clothes Show, you know, show you all the new clothes, what to wear and this kind of thing. Anyway, 
for the issue of the magazine, they were doing a swimsuit issues. An email went out to all the staff saying if anybody wanted to um, model swimsuits, they would help you decide what swimsuit suited your figure. I have fairly wide hips. And I thought, <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> you know, I want to know what are the best swimsuits for somebody with wide hips <laughs> so I volunteered to do this I think it was my first week of working there oh my golly <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was actually a lot of fun but um, I did get known by everybody in the company because <laughs> I was modeling a, a swimsuit it was quite modest as well they were very modest swim, swimsuits ah <laughs> uh. That's awesome. Welcome to the BBC. Put on a with swimsuit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I hope that answered your question about working there. It, it did. It was a lot of fun. It sounds like it. And to be there at that tra- that time of transition, I think, would have been very exciting. Well, Rachel, I always ask my guests two questions at the end. And the first one is, what is bringing you joy today? Or right now, I should say. So I think what's bringing me joy right now Mm -hmm. is that, you know, I talked about my sons living in England, so they're 3,000 plus miles away, and then my my daughter was living in Los Angeles, so she was 3,000 plus miles in the other (laughs) direction, but she, a few weeks ago, decided that she wanted to move to New York City. Oh, yeah. So... Um, yeah, that's bringing me so much joy. She's yes. actually living with us in our apartment. So oh. it's just, it's wonderful. What yeah. a treat. Oh, that is wonderful. Uh, I, I can see where that would bring you joy. And the second question I ask is, what are you reading right now? Well, the book I'm reading is called Simply Christian. And it's by a scholar, a New Testament scholar. He's actually British called N.T. Wright. I do actually quite like books that, you know, go quite deep. Mm-hmm. Um, this, you know, this book is about why Christianity makes sense. Oh, yeah. Um, it's really a modern day version of um, C.S. Lewis's book. Okay. Near Christianity. Oh, okay. Yeah. I haven't heard of it. I'm going to have to look it up because I love Mere Christianity. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I haven't actually read Mere Christianity, but um, yeah, a- that would be interesting. Yeah, it's a pretty quick read. I've given it to so many people because it's it's such a a good book for people that just are not sure or can't can't figure out why Christianity and it's a good book for them. So I've given it away a lot. I don't even know if I have a copy right now because I'm constantly (laughs) giving them away. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for sharing your story. I'm so glad that God answered your prayer to not to to lose that desire to go back to England and that you're still here in the States with us and sharing your gifts in so many ways with so many people and touching so many lives. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. It has been. Thanks. Thank you so much. It was such a joy to talk to Rachel today. I love her heart for Jesus. I love her obedience. I love the fact that she was so willing to say, not my will, but yours be done. And of course, her three-word prayer, God help me. You can find more about Rachel and her prayer journey and her prayer resources in the show notes. Thank you so much for tuning in to the In the Whisper podcast today. And I look forward to bringing you another interview next week.